Hi, my name is Aisha Zengin, and welcome to another episode of Bone Group Banter. We're here to discuss, debate, and share all things musculoskeletal. But first to the news. Let's see what's making research news this week. So our first headline is Muscle Memory Discovery Ends, Use It or Lose It Dogma, from Frontiers Journal blog. New research shows that extra nuclei gained during exercise persist even after a muscle shrinks from disuse, disease or aging and can be mobilized rapidly to facilitate bigger gains on retraining. So the old age use it or lose it tells us if you stop using your muscles, they'll shrink. Until recently, scientists thought this meant that nuclei, which is the cell control centers that build and maintain muscle fibers, are also lost to sloth. But according to a review published in Frontiers and In physiology, modern lab techniques now allow us to see that nuclei gained during training persist even when muscle cells shrink due to disuse or start to break down. These residual myonuclei, is what the scientists are calling them, allow more and faster growth when muscles are retrained, suggesting that we can bank muscle growth potential in our teens to prevent frailty in old age. Our second headline, I think you'll all like this one, is called, Are You a Super Pooper? Fecal transplants or poo transplants could be used to treat intestinal disorders like inflammatory bowel disease and perhaps even help prevent Alzheimer's and cancer. If we can unlock the secrets of the gut rejuvenating super donors, say researchers. Poop transplants have become routine treatment for nasty recurrent diarrheal infections, but trials for other conditions have hit a bum note. Now, the fecal faithful have re-examined the evidence. Time and again, they found one donor whose stool, or their poo, was substantially more likely to lead to clinical improvement than others in the same trial. These super donors can provide the necessary bacteria to restore gut chemicals that are lacking in illnesses like inflammatory bowel disease and diabetes, according to a new paper published in Frontiers in Cellular and Infection Microbiology. With Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, cancers, asthma, allergies and heart disease, all associated with changes to gut bacteria as well, Understanding what makes a poop super donor could make poop the new panacea. (laughs) So, today's episode is called The Cost of Osteoporosis, Osteopenia and Associated Fractures in Australia in 2017. An article published in January in the Journal of Bone and Mineral Research used previous Australian data on the incidence, which tells us about the risk of the disease, and prevalence, which indicates how widespread the disease is, or think of it as how many people actually have the disease, in this case, osteoporosis, bone fragility. The researchers also used the data to estimate the economic burden of osteoporosis in Australia. So basically, how much is this disease costing the healthcare system, i.e. the taxpayers? 
So what did they find out? One of the main findings was that the total direct cost of osteoporosis, osteopenia, which is um, basically like pre-osteoporosis, meaning that your bones are fragile and if you don't do anything about it, you'll most likely develop osteoporosis. And associated fractures in in Australia in 2017 was estimated to be $3.44 billion. Now that's a lot of money. Of this $3 billion, $2.4 billion was due to direct costs of fracture, while $1 billion was due to fracture and osteoporosis um, prevention costs, which included things like getting bloods tested, getting a DEXA or a bone density scan and bone medications. They also reported how many fractures there were in 2017 in men and women aged 50 years and above, and they also categorized them into the type of fractures. I'll just tell you the most common types of fractures. So there were two... 27,665 hip fractures, which in total cost $1,011 million, and 30,118 fractures at the spine, costing $266 million. So there's a lot of fractures happening in those that are 50 years and older, and it's costing a lot of money. So the researchers also reported that the treatment of fractures accounted for 68% of the total direct costs, which includes informal care of osteoporosis. Of this, hip fractures accounted for the highest proportion, so 43%. Although the direct treatment cost of fractures at other sites accounted for 39% of the cost of all fractures. So this cost estimate does not include indirect costs. And these are things such as productivity loss and the impact on disability and quality of life. So if we were to include these, the costs would be far greater. If we have a look at the costs across the states in Australia, the researchers showed that 34% of the total national cost of fracture was from New South Wales, um, including Canberra or ACT. This equates to $809 million. Um, And this is primarily because New South Wales has the most amount of people. Victoria came in at second best and accounted for 25% of the total national costs, which accounted to um, $589 million. And they also looked at the cost in terms of um, age. So they separated um, the 50 to 69-year-olds and then the 70-year-olds plus. And in all the states, there was um, a far greater cost in those people that were 70 years and over. And they were all more or less the same. So across Queensland, New South Wales, ACT, Victoria, WA and South Australia, Tasmania, um, the 70-year-old plus people account for around 71 to 74%. Um, Northern Territory was a bit less. Um, the seven-year-olds accounted for 56%, but perhaps that's due to um, uh, a lower amount of people that are in the ageing population. 
but yes, very interesting. Um, only 32% of the burden of disease attributable to osteoporosis is due to the cost of management and prevention of further bone loss in Australians with either osteoporosis or osteopenia. So of this 32%, a simple DEXA scan only accounted for 4% of the costs. And this is the clinical gold standard in diagnosing osteoporosis or osteopenia. Using a screening method such as a DEXA has such a little cost, you would think that this would be further encouraged. Okay, so what happens after someone is diagnosed with osteoporosis or osteopenia? The doctor has to give treatment. Sure, that costs something, you're probably thinking. Well, yes, the medications do come at a cost, but only a very small amount. Um, which is about 24% and comes to around $261 million. Okay, yes, you're probably thinking, wow, $261 million is a lot of money, but it's far, far less than the $2.4 billion. The logical thing would be for governments all over the world to invest in the prevention of fractures and osteoporosis and osteopenia rather than leaving it too late and paying so much more for the fracture when it actually occurs. This is clearly evidence to support efforts to reduce the prevalence of fractures to then significantly reduce the economic burden across the healthcare system. In the majority of countries, population screening approaches targeted to the prevention of osteoporosis-related fractures have not been adopted due to the perception of cost inefficiency. Basically, a lot of these countries who don't have screening methods think that the cost is far greater than treating someone once they have had a fracture, which is completely untrue given what I've just told you. Research has demonstrated the efficacy of screening approaches in reducing the incidence of fractures among regular older people living in the community. There is substantial evidence, including Australian data, that demonstrates the mid to long term cost efficiencies of fracture liaison services. And if you're a long time listener, we discussed this in a previous podcast with Osteoporosis Australia CEO. These services that aim to capture adults when they are seeking treatment for recent fracture and offer assessment and referral to existing bone health services have been shown to be effective in reducing the rate of subsequent fracture. So it reduces the chance of someone having another fracture among fracture patients by up to 80%. This is massive. So, in summary, people will definitely benefit from these osteoporosis prevention and management strategies. The the data in this study also highlights the need for greater awareness that osteoporosis is... um, affects both men and women and that we need to do something about it. Otherwise, that two-point... Sorry, otherwise that $3.44 billion is only going to increase um, even more with the um, rise in the aging population. That's all we have time for today. So remember to subscribe to the podcast and get in touch via Twitter or email if you have any questions. Thanks for your time and see you next week.